Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. My name is Sarah. On the podcast, we talk about all the things we're working to overcome, all the challenges like obesity, anxiety, and health issues. And today I wanted to talk about something that's a little bit off in terms of um, the, the podcast, but it definitely relates. And that is a book that I recently read by Gretchen Rubin called The Four Tendencies. This book is all about um, personality. And so I do think that this can relate to the podcast in terms of definitely anxiety. Some of us said that have anxiety have something where we feel different than everybody else, and that makes us feel anxious. And so the way that I would relate this book is that the more that you can go on that personal journey to understand yourself and to develop yourself and kind of hack your habits, it makes you feel less different or at least points out that that difference is okay um, because you sort of have a framework for what the difference between you and them is. So let me get into the book a little bit more. Um, So Gretchen Rubin is um, a writer and she's very famously known for The Happiness Project. And I've always kind of felt that she has my career. So years ago, um, probably a decade ago, I guess, when The Happiness Project came out, I remember having that feeling of, you know what? I could have done that. You know, she took different... um, habits and did one per month for a year in this happiness project and then wrote about it. And I remember thinking, man, that is so simple and um, wishing that I had done that. Anyways, so I've never been, you know, a huge, huge fan just because of my jealousy, I guess. But anyway, back to that. I don't, I think I could have written the happiness project. I don't think I could have written this book, The Four Tendencies. And so I've become a a bigger fan of hers, I guess I will say. The book is quite interesting in the way that it has four personality profiles that are revealed in the book. And they really focus on how you meet both inner and outer expectations, and then leads into a conversation about how you would then be able to form habits and essentially hack your personality as well as the personality of others. So the book starts with a quiz, and the quiz is outlined in the book uh, in order to find your tendency, but you can also take it online, which is what I ended up doing because I didn't want to circle things in my book. There's also at the back of the book, I noticed a couple of more generic questions. And so instead of doing the full quiz, which really doesn't take very long, and so I'm not sure why people needed something even easier, but I guess people ask for something easier. It has some generic questions and it would say, you know, one personality type would generally respond to this. And the only reason I thought that these generic questions were interesting is that if you wanted somebody to take the quiz, but they wouldn't, you could almost trick them into answering some of these questions and figuring out their personality type um, without them knowing it. So there's the purpose that I would see. So the way that the tendencies, the four tendencies work is um, there are two more common tendencies. The most common is obliger, with 41% of people being an obliger. The second is a questioner with 24%. 
Then the next would be Upholder, 19%. And the most rare is Rebel, which is 17%. And all of these tendencies do actually overlap. So within the book, she has a circle diagram of the four tendencies. Upholder is at the top, and an upholder meets both outer and inner expectations. They are the most disciplined. So the quote in the book is, discipline is my freedom. And then if you move along, the next circle that would be beside upholder is obliger. And it overlaps a little bit with upholder. And the obliger meets outer expectations, but resists inner expectations. So the quote along with that is, you can count on me and I'm counting on you to count on me. Then the next circle is rebel. A rebel resists outer expectations and resists inner expectations. So the quote for rebel is, you can't make me and neither can I. And then the next one uh, is questioner. And so questioner overlaps with both rebel and then upholder back at the top. And a questioner resists outer expectations, but meets inner expectations. And their uh, quote is, I'll comply if you convince me why. So you can kind of see where all of these are going in terms of um, how, how they work in the world. So the tendencies, now that you sort of know a little bit about them, are something that are hardwired in you. Now, they're not a result of your upbringing or your gender or your birth order or whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. They're something that are within you, your personality. And they also don't change with where you're currently working or living or the friends that you have. And they really are not even supposed to change with age. Now, Gretchen does say that if you were to go through something catastrophic, like, um, you know, she gives an example of potentially uh, going through a cancer or something like a big health-wise that really, really fundamentally changed you. She felt that there could be wiggle room that you may um, edge on on some of these in terms of the personality. But other than that, um, she says that they're hardwired. And so the reason that it's really interesting to know your own personality is it can help you to be more successful. So if you're aware of your personality strengths and weaknesses, um, then you're going to be able to, as I said, kind of hack those in order to be the most successful that you can be. And then also in knowing the personality of others, you can be more understanding of why they're not responding to something maybe the same way that you would. Um, it can also help you to persuade them. So they do, do give ideas in the book of that. Also encouraging, you find out some people encouraging them doesn't actually work that well and it can actually drive them the other way. And just, I think overall being able to understand each other a little bit more helps with communication and um, helps with, with relationship building in general. So I was going to start with my own uh, personality or tendency, as she calls it. So when I did the quiz, I am an upholder. So as I said, an upholder meets inner and outer expectations uh, very easily. And they tend to be somebody who is very 
you know, driven by rules. So she goes over a summary of strengths. So likely strengths, self-starter, self-motivated, conscientious, reliable, thorough, sticks to a schedule, eager to understand and meets expectations. Possible weaknesses, defensive, rigid, often struggles when plans or schedules change, can seem humorless and uptight, uneasy when rules are ambiguous or undefined, impatient when others need reminders, deadlines, supervision, or discussion, demanding, and may become anxious about obeying rules that don't even exist. So I definitely felt that those all speak to me. And it's funny, I spoke with some of my family about... um, about this and you know it's not that um this person is maybe more motivated than others it's just motivated by different things and so for me I'm definitely into creating to-do lists I have about a million of them I do really well with calendaring things my calendar is always very um rigid and up to date I put a lot of reminders. I also did recently um, a last 90 days challenge that the Hollis company ran. And it was funny because I sent this challenge schedule out to a bunch of my family members and said, oh, if you want to do this challenge with me, it's really fun. You get to give yourself a check mark for all of the good habits that you keep. And so it was all the five to thrive. So drinking your water, you get to check it for each day, you know, doing your movement, you can check it for each day, doing your gratitude. And for me, this was just the best thing in the world. I'm like, check, check, check in my way through these 90 days. And I had all check marks at the end, every single day for every single thing. And I loved it so much that I then created a new one for January through March. And so I've been check, checking my way and I called it first 90 days. And um, the funny thing was, is I just assumed everybody would love this. And yet I didn't have any other family members that participated. I think they all <laughs> probably thought, no thanks. Um, I even showed it to my dad and I said, would this help you? You know, he's retired. I said, would this help you to be motivated to do some of the things you want to do? And he kind of said, no way. So I knew, um, I knew that that was a little maybe odd that I was so excited about this challenge and, and all of my check marks. Um, I guess I would have been the kid with the reward chart that would have loved all of the gold stars and I or the stickers or whatever each day for a reward. I do remember I am not a neat person. I am horribly, um, I guess, messy. And as a child, I was super messy. As, as an adult, whatever, you know, I have to run my household, so I have to do a certain amount and I, I'm clean. Um, I just am not very good at putting things back where they belong. And my husband will attest to that. So, uh, and neither is my daughter. And so she definitely gets that from me. But I remember as a kid, my mom for one month said that if I went to bed on time and cleaned my room, she would pay me $2 a day. And I found that super motivating because it was like a challenge of like one month and boom, 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 I made my money. Um, Anyway, so challenges work for me. But I also follow rules well. I work in government, and uh, so that goes along really well with me. And um, I've, you know, worked on legislation and um, different programs and rules and things like that. So it does fit with my... um, my personality. And also I'm the type of person that if the doctor tells me to do something, I just 
do it. I don't kind of think, oh, maybe. Um, And I think that was part of my success uh, working with a trainer is that when she told me to do something, I just did it because she told me to um, in terms of nutrition and physical exercise. But there definitely are weaknesses. I can see uh, some of the ones in there. uh, One that really speaks to me is struggles when plans or schedules change. And I definitely do. Like, especially, I'm not as bad with work because I'm used to it being a changing environment, I think, there. But if I make a plan for the weekend and it changes or, you know... is is like oh can we do this instead or maybe push it back by a few hours I've usually structured my whole day around that like with my fitness and when I'm gonna get chores done and things like that so I do struggle I find especially with that um and you know can be impatient for sure because I don't need as many reminders when other people don't know when things are due or um yeah it also really made sense to me because I do a calendar for some of our activities and I often hand that to my husband and same thing he doesn't think that that's useful at all so others in my life have taken the quiz my mom my sister um as well as I kind of know what my dad's is my husband has I've got a friend that's taken it and my aunt and so I found some people are the same as me and others are different. Um, One of the ones that is different, both my mom and my sister are obligers. And so um, I, I have kind of noticed that that makes sense as to why we do sometimes approach things a little bit differently. Um, especially in terms of accountability and things like that. Um, So obligers are somebody that meets outer expectations more easily than an inner expectation. So for an obliger, they um, talk about having, needing more accountability. And that can be really helpful in terms of an obliger hacking their own um, personality, I guess. So With an obliger, it talks about them having strengths in terms of they can definitely be taskmasters. So if somebody, um, you know, you need something from somebody, an obliger is definitely the person that you want to go to because they are going to put your need or the need of somebody who's in power like a boss, um, they will definitely be ready to do all of that. Um, And it does talk a little bit about some of the other tendencies maybe being unsympathetic to an obliger because obligers feel that they put others first and that's admirable, but some of the other tendencies feel like, well, if something else is important to you, you should just do it. And so it's hard to understand that. So the strengths for an obliger, they can be a great boss, responsive leader, and team player. Because again, they do have that um, tendency to look at others. They also feel great obligation to meet others' expectations. They are responsible. They're willing to go that extra mile. They respond to outer accountability. But the weaknesses, they're susceptible to overwork and burnout. So that's where, you know, fine, it's great to go draw on the 
the skills of an obliger, but if it happens way too often, then they will basically get burnt out. They may show a destructive pattern in obliger rebellion, so we can talk about that in a moment. Um, they can be exploitable, they might become resentful, and they have trouble saying no or imposing limits. So again, that they're asked to do too much kind of thing. Um, the other thing with an obliger, so they do talk about how to hack the obliger, which is the most common, as I said, 41% how to hack that personality type. And that can be done a lot through accountability groups. So if, for example, you're trying to take on a new fitness routine and you're an obliger, it'll be a lot better for you if you had a friend or a group, um, you know, even virtually, that is aware of your progress um, and will kind of keep you on track. I think a trainer would work really well for an obliger as well, just because there's somebody there that's going to um, to keep on top of you. So that's the next one. Um, the another one that I kind of skipped over was questioner. So a questioner um, meets inner expectations, but resists outer expectations. And so that's a little bit different. And it's it's not so much that they won't do something that somebody else has asked them, but they will only do it if it makes sense to them internally. So their strengths, they're data-driven, they're fair-minded, um, because it's according to their judgment, um, interested in creating systems that are efficient and effective, willing to play devil's advocate, comfortable bucking the system if it's warranted, interdirected, unwilling to accept authority without justification. Possible weaknesses can suffer analysis paralysis, impatient with what he or she sees as others' complacency, crackpot potential, unable to accept closure on matters that others consider settled if questions remain unanswered to them, may refuse to observe expectations that others find fair or at least non-optional, like traffic regulations, and may resist answering others' questions. So I've definitely worked with a lot of questioners. I've worked in government. I work with a lot of people that are more science-minded, you know, first thing, data-driven. So think you know, some of the people getting a PhD, definitely questioners. Like, I'm sure, um, you know, Sheldon from Big Bang Theory, probably a questioner. I haven't confirmed this with Gretchen, but, you know, I'm 100%. So that kind of is that mentality. And I've worked with a lot of people like that in my career. And I can say that it is true that they will not accept um, somebody as authority if they don't think there's a reason for it. Um, and they also don't accept that closure if if they don't think it's settled to them. So, you know, you might have a conversation with someone and feel like you've ended it and you've given your reasons. But if they don't agree, it's not over for sure. So it's interesting to me because Gretchen says that questioner is quite common at 24% in population. But of all the people that have taken this test that I know, I have not found a questioner yet. Um, I do think my daughter might be a questioner. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But that's the only one so far that... Um, that's a possibility for me. So I may just need to get more people to take this quiz, but um, I'm sure the questioners are out there. 
The last one is rebel. So a rebel struggles to meet both inner and outer expectations. So the strengths, they're independent-minded. They're able to think outside the box. They're unswayed by conventional wisdom. They're willing to go his or her own way to buck social conventions. They're in touch with their authentic desires and they're spontaneous. Possible weaknesses, likely to resist when asked or told to do something, uncooperative, inconsiderate, has trouble accomplishing tasks that need to be done consistently the same way every time, acts as though ordinary rules don't apply, restless, may find it difficult to settle down in a job, a relationship, or a city, struggles with routines and planning, and may be indifferent to reputation. So the one thing I will say is that Gretchen points out, you know, she had the question, who is the best leader? Which tendency is the best leader? Which tendency is the best CEO? Which tendency is the most innovative? And she said, none, that everybody has a different tendency, but that doesn't mean that one is more successful than the other. So just to kind of put that out there in terms of a rebel, she says that rebels who believe in what they're doing and, you know, um, are excited by something can be great CEOs. It's not that they they can't do it. So definitely when you're reading the book, that does come out, but I just want to make sure in, in this podcast it does as well. Um, so it's interesting to me because my husband is a rebel. And so in seeing this, you know, we are exact opposites and they do say opposites attract, but um, it is quite interesting for me because I've noticed in, um, you know, being in relationship with him over the years that certain things that I do do not work for him. So if I have a to-do list and I make a to-do list for him and I say, hey, here's all the things that we need to accomplish in the spring that doesn't motivate him at all, where I'm like, let's check the boxes and get going on this. And he doesn't care. You know, I mentioned calendars as well. Also meal planning. So I would love to just like pre-plan every meal for a month. But I don't find that works for him because he doesn't want to be boxed into, you know, this is for dinner today. Um, I've tried a bit of more of like a menu system where I put up potential meals that I have all of the ingredients to be able to make I'm finding that works a little bit better and then we just kind of pick something um on the day and then my dad actually said this too is that and I know that he fits in the rebel category just because of some of the questions I asked him and he does the same thing at like two o'clock every day because he's retired he goes out and just buys the ingredients for what he feels like for dinner that night um, and then makes it. He does cook and so he then does do it. Um, but it's interesting to me because I've always been the type that like I grocery shop at the beginning of the week. Here's all the meals that I can make and here's the plan. And, and that just doesn't work for certain people, which blows my mind. Um, and then my husband does tend to kind of deviate into going and getting takeout if he doesn't like the idea of whatever um, I've boxed in for that day. So that's why I've been trying to work with this more like menu plan. Um, but it is interesting, the one thing, so they do talk about each, um, how you pair with other things. And they say that the upholder rebel, she says, is um, quite a unique pairing. 
Um, but it does talk about the fact that the upholder and the rebel are both extremes. And so she says the one thing that you can kind of um, come together on is the fact that you feel like the others are not as strong in terms of their commitment to their own values, I guess. So I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, way to look at the pairing of an upholder and a rebel. So within the book, she does go into different career options that go along with the personalities. She does also talk about dealing with um, each personality as a child. So as I already mentioned, you know, if you have an upholder as a child, now the quiz itself doesn't lend itself to children. But she says that you could probably get a few of the traits from your child. Now, like I said, I haven't successfully figured out each of my children. I feel like my son could potentially be a rebel. I see some identity cues there, but I'm not sure. I mentioned I feel like my daughter could potentially be a questioner, but I also see a bit of upholder in her because, you know, the reward chart type thing seems to work for her, the check marks. Um, that doesn't work at all for my son. And so I know that that's not where he's at. He may, he may even be an obliger. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. Um, again, with an obliger though, you want to make sure they're not overloaded. So that's one of the things she suggests for kids. So if you can glean what your child might be in terms of a personality, it is worth looking at the, how to work with them. Um, the, the one that I did find interesting reading was the rebel child, because she talks about one of the strong things for a rebel is their identity. And so you can, if you have a rebel child, you can't just say, well, you should do this, you should do that. That's not going to really work for them. But she said, if you can speak to their identity where they can actually, you can say, you know, I know that it's important to you that, that we think that you're an honest child. And then go from there and, and sort of say, well, if you want to be a child that's regarded as honest, then these are the kind of things an honest person does. And you can kind of back them up from the identity to the action. So that's been some language that I've been trying to work around kind of to test if my son is is rebel. Um, and then, so the other thing that the book goes through is, like I said, all of the... Um, different relationship pairings, and then talks about how you can do messaging. So for instance, if you're somebody that creates um, communication materials, how you would um, message something that would meet the needs of all of the tendencies so that everybody gets what you're trying to say. And some of those are actually, I thought, pretty funny um, and, and but helpful in terms of what you can put out there. So I did find this to be a really interesting book. I think it's something that I will go back to, especially as my kids age. Um, and it's definitely helped me to understand myself. Like I said, you know, no tendency is better than the other. So knowing some of the weaknesses of the upholder and the fact that um, you do, even if you are majority one tendency, you do almost have like 
wing tendencies. So an upholder could be an upholder obliger, going a little bit more in that direction, or an upholder can be an upholder questioner, which, you know, I can be on that data side as well. Um, so it is interesting to know where you fit kind of personality wise, and then be able to work with others as best you can. And, um, make sure that you are doing all the things to have the best relationships. So if you want more, I would say pick up the book for Tendencies. I ordered it on Amazon, came pretty quickly, and it was definitely an interesting read. Gretchen also has a podcast called Happier with Gretchen Rubin, and she did do within the podcast um, a uh, more of a deep dive into some bonus episodes around this book. And so if you do want more, I would say go over and listen to that podcast a little bit and then maybe even consider the book or definitely take the online quiz. It is free. Um, and just I'm sure if you just searched in Google for tendencies, Gretchen Rubin quiz, I think that's how I found it and it came up. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast a little bit different, but hopefully it helps you with all of your relationships. Um, and that is definitely something that is a challenge that we are always dealing with. So if you do like the podcast, please consider subscribing. Also, I can put some of my notes of this up on the blog. The blog is www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com. And again, feel free to follow me on Instagram. It's at Sarah Lady Gluten, Sarah, no H, S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N. Thanks again and have a great week.